Hello, podcast listeners. You are listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. I'm your host, Corbin Johnson. We are wrapping up the Return to Grace review series, episode 5 of 5 today. What remains are 10 cards, and we will get started with them right now. Let's finish up the Cardassians with Yatepa. Kardashian affiliation. Cost 2. Unique. Yatepa, Obsidian Order Agent. Kobliad Species. Exobiology, Intelligence, Security, Transporters. Infiltrator. When an opponent's personnel present is killed, you may discard a capture card from hand to place that personnel in your brig. Thor. It's alright. You're safe. Integrity for cunning 6 strength 6. Wow. An unlimited ability so long as you have the capture cards in hand to capture people who die where she is present once, or not even once per turn. It's unlimited. So, yeah, hello. Another very powerful card, or at least a very powerful looking card from the looks of it. I guess the issue is you'll have to get her to your opponent if you use dimensional shifting or other dominion tricks. I'm sure you can get Yatepa onto your opponent's ship fairly early. I'm sure there's a dime a dozen capture cards that you can throw in your Cardassian deck and just, just boom, throw it, pair it with uh, some TT action, you're good to go. So, I think she's very powerful, but you would need to build a deck around her. So, you know, but using someone like her, you could also get some points, some counters with Undercover Operative, perhaps. And you're going to see soon that there is a cheaper ship, the first really cheap Cardassian ship to come out, and uh, maybe that will be somewhat helpful in getting uh, getting her to where she needs to be. All right, let's move on to a new Equinox dude. Federation affiliation. Cost two. Non-unique. Brian Soften. Staff icon. Voyager icon. Human species, anthropology, archaeology, geology, physics, treachery. When you play this personnel, you may lose five points to draw two cards, then place your hand in your discard pile, and draw an equal number of cards. Lore, will be dead, if we don't get the shields back up. Arm yourselves. Integrity for cunning six strength five. So he has somewhat low attributes. He's got five skills. That's what we expect with Voyager. And, oh, he's low integrity, so you don't expect that with Voyager, but uh, Equinox, he sure fits into. And I don't know about Maquis. But with his ability to lose five points, and if you, I guess you discard a card from hand, some kind of nucleogenic card to do that ability... Uh, his, it's not a net gain, uh, in fact, you lose one, you lose two, actually, by using it, um, no, 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 well, yeah, so you've got to draw the nucleogenic card, that costs one, he costs one to draw, so he costs three anyway, so it's only a net cost of one to use his ability, but if you're in a bind and your hand sucks and you want to get some more cards, he's definitely an option, so... Options are good. Options are good. Uh, options are probably better than net gaining and whatnot. So, 
he's definitely an interesting option, an interesting add to the deck. Maybe he's got skills that they needed. I'm not sure. So, uh, cool card, bro. Yeah. Let's move on to a little bit of the future. Very exciting. Federation affiliation. Cost four. Unique. Julian Bashir, Nostalgic Doctor. Staff Icon. Deep Space Nine Icon. Future Icon. Human Species. Biology. 3 Medical. Science. Genetically Enhanced. When your future Icon personnel present is about to be killed by a dilemma, you may stop that personnel and discard a non-future Icon personnel from hand to prevent that. Lore, maybe after we've got Captain Sisko back, we can all stop by Morns for a drink for old time's sake. Integrity 6 Cunning 8 Strength 4 You can... I glean so much from this card, just because I play a lot of Relativity. And I think it's a well-designed card, for a number of reasons. So, first off the bat, he's got 3 Medical. It makes sense. This was a good card to add to Relativity, considering that the only medical personnel available in future form at the moment are Beverly Picard, Beverly Crusher, and the Revised Doctor. The Revised Doctor was a problem because he does not have any staffing icon. However, he does have two Treachery, so you are still more than welcome to use the Revised Doctor in the deck because he will help you get around that dilemma that takes two acquisition or two treachery or else someone dies and they get their card back or you so you can use him or you can just use this guy and you get the staffing icon which is so important in this deck and you get the helpful science and biology fine whatever that's cool now his ability is very interesting because my favorite relativity deck to play uses almost no future personnel. It uses, I think, three of them. The two Kirks that everyone should play with, and Baxter, in case I desperately need to get back an event for some reason. So, other than that, I don't have non-future personnel in my deck. So if I want to throw Bashir in for something other than the skills... This is encouraging me to take my very slim relativity deck and put just a few extra guys in it. Maybe think about using some non-future Federation guys that uh, I may not have thought about, or maybe uh, throw in those Chakotes that I haven't done because I feel that they clog up the deck. So throw in the Chuckle Brothers and discard them either to unstop or to unkill. And that is some pretty interesting tech right there. So with just one card, I'm suddenly rethinking my entire deck. And I think that's fantastic. And I am looking forward to more Relativity cards in the future. But for now, this card was well thought out. And I'm excited about it. Contrary to what other people are saying, that this may make Relativity better at what they already do, which is a get-around-kill. So you can now get-around-kill better, but you do have to make your very slim deck or your very working deck, maybe put a little extra risk into it. But is the risk worth the reward? I don't know. Or maybe just use them for the skills, because skills. All right, let's move on to an extra. 
Federation Affiliation Cost 2 Unique Paxson Reese Stellar Cartographer Staff Icon Deep Space Nine Icon Human Species Anthropology Astrometrics Intelligence Navigation Science When this personnel uses a skill to complete a Gamma Quadrant mission each player may download a personnel and place him or her in his or her owner's discard pile. Lore, in anticipation of the Dominion threat, Section 31 planted agents throughout the crew of Deep Space Nine. I guess no attributes on this guy. That's too bad. Okay, well, Paxton Reese. Uh, I guess a long time coming to second edition. This character, apparently, was never actually named on a show, and in first edition, Decipher named him Paxton Reese, according to Memory Beta. So, he, since he never had any speaking lines, there's really no way of knowing if he really was a Section 31 operative. However, the second edition design team has decided to take some liberties and make this guy an intelligence personnel which is perfectly fine, and we see it all the time on other extras that we find littered amongst the 2nd uh, edition and 1st edition cards. So anyway, very cool that they took this character who was just kind of a J-like extra, if you will, and gave him some interesting characteristics. So I feel like this was uh, his ability is a maybe was a little shoehorned in, or was this guy the guy that came first, and then that Gamma Quadrant mission that I think they're trying to make you play with? Did that come first, or were they just thought of together? It's an interesting cycle, actually. So, without a doubt, I'm almost positive. I didn't actually check the rules, but if you solve that Gamma Quadrant mission, uh, Priorata two and use this guy, you know, he's there, he does his discardy thingy, and then you suddenly now have two guys in the discard pile that have helped solve the mission. You should score those extra 10 points, at least I'd hope so. And I can't imagine that's not why they made this guy. There might be some other reasons, you know, maybe it's uh, to help encourage some Deep Space Nine, Bajoran, working togetherness, get a certain guy in the discard pile, get your seven cost Chakotay in there for your Basso on your next uh, mission attempt, although I don't think Basso has Deep Space Nine icon. He shouldn't if he does. But hey, uh, just thinking out loud here, and if you've got the Kai win uh, that lets you get guys back into play, maybe you download that guy you really need uh, for your next mission attempt, and even though you're in the Gamma Quadrant, you are going to have to come home and pick him up, but that's okay. On your next turn, you go and grab him, and booyah, you're doing your thing. So, there are things you can do with this ability. I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with it. It's definitely interesting. And I'm going to throw him into my Deep Space Nine Intelligence deck, obviously, because cool DS9 Intelligence guys are cool. And I might throw him in my Defiant deck, just because maybe he has some skills I need. So, I, I think he's cool. And, uh, yeah. So, Paxton Reese, awesome. Now here comes another interesting guy, uh, Russell Todman. Federation Affiliation. Cost 3. Unique. Russell Todman, Security Conscious. Command Icon. Earth Icon. Human Species. Leadership. 
Officer, Security, Admiral. When you lose command of one of your events, you may take a Deep Space Nine icon personnel you own that was on that event, and place him or her at your headquarters mission, where he or she could be played. You now command that personnel. Thor. There is nothing we can do. Integrity 5 Cunning 6 Strength 6. So this guy on his own, just got some kind of generic skills, pretty generic attribute requirements, or attributes rather. His ability is what gives him an interesting angle, but from what I've read on the boards, building a deck around him just doesn't make a lot of sense. It looks like the opportunity cost of using him, rather, he's good for special opportunities that may come up in a game. I would throw him into the deck I used when I played in my first regional for second edition. It was an Earth Space Nine deck where you go and try to do a two mission win. And he would have been pretty cool because it definitely, uh, one thing it tried to do a lot is get some guys out with Energize. And boy oh boy did Energize get nerfed a lot by my opponents. But if Russell had been out, he could have said, this could have been a way of me saying, oh well, uh, you destroy it, cool, well I'm gonna get that uh, high cost guy into play that was on there. And it also is a way of saying, oh crap, I." energized away that one card I really needed. Oh no, now I get him into play, and this is great. So that that energize working out right there is very interesting. This might make me also want to throw in uh, this side of Paradise, maybe as an anti-TT sort of thing. And what else? I mean, there's a lot of Decay events out there, and I think that there might be some interesting uses with that. I don't think I'd do... I, think, I don't think I'm just going to throw in the plays the thing just to try to get guys into play. Maybe. It's very risky. And most... And security drills, almost always, I have a security drills lying on the table at the end of the game that was never, ever, ever... Um, never used completely. The problem is that decay cards... There are decay cards that take cards off the top of the deck, which are less counters than cards that come from your hand. Security Drills comes from your hand. Uh, this side of Paradise comes from in play. And then Energize comes from the top of your deck. And so if you consider all of those kinds, the cheapest ones, I guess, are from the top of the deck. But getting guys back into play that are, were about to die, you know, Russell Todman all of a sudden, you know, with a card like him, I didn't get this side of Paradise the first time I saw it. I sooner... I finally realized that it was an anti-TT sort of thing because they don't die. Uh, but, you know, now there's a whole new reason to play with this side of Paradise. And because he's a Deep Space Nine, Earth Space Nine sort of guy, the the theme, the image sort of makes some more fun sense, but that doesn't really matter. But in the end, this guy could maybe be a guy you could build a deck around. I'm not so sure about that, but... Throwing him into an Earth Space Nine deck certainly makes a lot of sense to me. You're going to be playing with security drills. You're probably playing with Energize. So have at it. And check out the other Decay events. See if maybe something strikes you fancy. So, cool card. Definitely a cool card. Would I bring him on my mission attempts? Hmm. I, I'd have to. I, I don't see why... Leaving him at home, unless I can pay for his cost as well as the cost of all the Decay events, just doesn't make sense to me. And maybe I could leave him home. Um, now, 
he's got skills, but they're not that interesting, and his attributes are meh. But just leaving it at home? I don't know. Nonetheless, I can really justify the cards I'm going to get from my nerfed Energize and this Security Drills and whatever other cards. Would I feel confident in just leaving him at home? So, definitely an interesting card, though. So, does he, does he give you net counters? I don't know about that. I'm really not sure about that. Does he give you some extra opportunities that you didn't have before? Oh, and not to mention, of course, Holding Cell. There's another interesting one. Now your opponent, if they want their guy back, um, oh, no, Holding Cell doesn't make any sense because it has to be a card you own that's on top of that event. And unless you name your own guy, which does not make a lot of sense to me, you're just not going to... So forget about it. I didn't... <laughs> forget about it. Meh. All right. Anyway, very interesting card. Let's move on to the Ferengi of the set. Ferengi affiliation. Cost one. Prake. Command icon. Ferengi species. Acquisition. When you play this personnel, you may place an artifact equipment from any player's discard pile on your Ferenginer. You now command that equipment. Laurel, unfortunately, my entire crew is occupied with our repairs. I don't think there will be time to search our records. Integrity 5, Cunning 6, Strength 6. Okay, this guy's ability... I'm... I'm, I'm wondering if we're trying to discourage equipment use, which makes absolutely no sense to me, or if we're simply trying to give Ferengi an opportunity that other affiliations don't have. Or is it a mix of both? We should not discourage equipment use unless equipment gets out of hand. But what I've been understanding from the Make It So competitions, and I guess just in general, is that equipment is underused in 2nd edition. So, him using his ability to grab an equipment from his own discard pile, that makes a lot of sense to me. You grab an alien gambling device, and then... You go cycle it with some other card that gives you counters for it. Super cool. You know, uh, use this guy for, you know, him. Draw him for one. Uh, get the alien gambling device in your own discard pile. That's going to cost you a couple counters. Maybe you can make a net gain here. Maybe. Um, or you can use it as a, a counter sink so you can play some counters later. Use some counters later. Grabbing an equipment from your opponent's discard pile? I don't know about that so much. It's uh, certainly thematic and interesting, and the right opportunity might come up for it, but, you know, I don't know, what, I grab a Trellium D, and then... then what? You know, well, now you don't get to use it, uh, or, I don't know, somehow it got in your discard pile, and now I get one. Oh, uh, so what other equipment do people play with? The vascular pad? That'd be useful, but... Uh, doesn't that go back to hand? I don't know. And the card that returns to hand to grab a guy back to hand, uh, or to grab a guy and put it back on your ship, the emergency transport device. That card? I mean, cool. That's the other equipment people play with. So... The opportunity that comes up with this is somewhat interesting. I'm, I'm a little worried that we're discouraging equipment use by using a card like this. But I guess I'm not going to not stock equipment cards in my deck just because this guy exists now. So that's probably what the designers were thinking. That's fine. I can, I can certainly see where that line of thinking would come from. But grabbing your own card, that makes sense to me. 
and seems fun and interesting. And he has one skill, anthropology or acquisition, whatever. Uh, so that makes sense too, because he's Frankie. Cool. Okay. And he's cost one. So useful, I guess. In some, I guess, you know, it's hard to, you don't redshirt in second edition. So this guy's use after using his skill is very minimal. I'm not seeing him being used as more than one copy, maybe, for that one specific opportunity cost, unless there's some broken chain you can do with him. Um, but, yeah. So, interesting card. Let's move on to the Klingons. Klingon affiliation. Cost three, unique. Less good embittered warrior. Staff icon. Klingon species. Honor, law, navigation, to security. This personnel is cunning plus one for each maneuver event in your discard pile, limit plus five. This personnel is strength plus one for each assault event in your discard pile, limit plus five. Laurel, two years I spent on the Kardashian border. Two years fighting gulls and leggets and glens. They were cunning enemies. Integrity six cunning five strength five. Okay, this guy has a lot of good story in him. His gameplay reflects a good story, and I think we read about that either in the Q&A or it was in, it was either in the Q&A thread or in the Q&A that it was an interesting idea so that he could tell the stories of war from his assault and maneuver events in his discard pile, and that way he, he gains something from it. So thematically, I love this card, that's so cool. The gameplay, a 6-10-10, ideally, if you can pull it off. Wow. Very, very good. Very, very good. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, that's data good, and that's probably a, a good thing, right? Um, I love high attributes. That's really one thing I love about 2nd Edition is playing high attribute decks and getting it for cheap. I don't know how you get it for cheap with this guy. Maybe you uh, throw a fine lifeless world in your Klingon deck and you're milling and that sort of thing. And that might be a way to get going, but you're spending one additional counter to get those cards in your discard pile. So a three-cost guy easily becomes an eight-cost guy, but he still has high attributes, which is worth something. But then if he dies, that kind of sucks. So he's got honor, so he's susceptible to issue of trust unless Clag is out or Kang or Clag. I guess it's Clag. Uh, he's got two security, so that's probably good for something. Law is good. That's uh, hard to get skill and honor, you know. Uh, so it's something else. It doesn't matter. So very interesting card. Will he encourage battle, which is what I think the designers may have been trying to go for here as well? I don't know. I don't really know much about Klingon battle, but if this is, this might be one way to encourage it. So very interesting card. And we'll see if players are receptive to it. Moving on, we have two more cards. Three more cards. Uh, we skipped a Federation personnel earlier on, so let's go ahead and talk about him. Uh, Nils Barris. Federation affiliation. Cost one. Unique. Niles Barris, agricultural undersecretary. Staff icon. TOS icon. Past icon. Human species. Anthropology. Diplomacy, law. You may play this personnel at cost plus three to remove an event, or dilemma, on your non-headquarters mission from the game. Law, I consider your security measures a disgrace. 
In my opinion, you have taken this important project far too lightly. Integrity 5, Cunning 6, Strength 5. Migraine? They're gorged on migraine? Yeah, love this guy. At least in the episode. Uh, considering what he did in the episode, you know, calling a priority one, uh, whatever, and uh, really pissing off Kirk. I mean, that was the worst crime he did in this episode, but he, he was a jackass. Integrity 5? Maybe that's about right for a Federation guy like him. Integrity 4 might have been a bit funnier, though. Uh, but story-wise... I don't care, you know, gameplay comes first, and it's good to have high integrity, higher integrity or higher attributes than not. I, I might have given, yeah, cutting of six, you know, he's, he was a jerk, but, you know, whatever. So, okay, cool. Um, in terms of his ability, uh, play him at cost three, cost plus three, so a total cost four, to remove an event or dilemma uh, from on top of your mission. And was it from the game or to return it? If it goes out of the game, even better. But, wow, oh boy, the opportunity that could come up through that is pretty cool. So, this definitely keeps TOS uh, very powerful, it keeps them with their, it keeps them as that toolbox affiliation where uh, they get whatever they need on a person, and if you need it, that person exists, so... There you go, and that's fine. It's good that, you know, this now very powerful ability that we find on the uh, roadblock can uh, is now on a person, and that person can definitely uh, shake things up uh, mid-game. That biogenic weapon, it's not looking so exciting anymore, but you're probably playing with three copies, so I've got one mission to pull, I've got one turn to pull off that mission. That TT, well, you might pull another one, but you're going to have to pay for it again. And that means you're consuming another three cards. So, yeah, it gives you another opportunity to pull an ace, but it also gives me uh, a higher opportunity of solving on my next turn. So, huge. Uh, this ability is probably going to be very... Um, we've talked about the ability on the other cards, but I think players are maybe not going to be terribly receptive to it after their opponent does it to them a number of times. So I'm really hoping that um, the goal of, the, of this set to shorten games as well as create powerful cards doesn't bite design in the ass. So, uh, and we saw uh, one poster on the boards today uh, discussing his thoughts on how powerful capture is. And definitely Capture is looking very powerful. We'll see. Uh, it's yet to shake out, and it's very early into Phase 2. But I'm very excited. Uh, I, okay, there's still two cards to review, but you know, I'm, I'm still excited about what we're seeing here. Um, I do worry, though, that we're seeing some pure escalation. All right, we have two cards remaining in our review. We've got the uh, Orb Transport. Bajoran Affiliation Ship. Cost 5. Non-unique. Orb Transport Vessel. Two staffing icons required to staff. Best reclass. This ship is attributes plus one for each of the following keywords in your discard pile, assault orb, and profit. Lower one of several specially modified Bajoran transport ships intended to carry cultural treasures, such as the Tears of the Prophets. Features multiple redundant security systems and a full contingent of militia officers. Range 6, Weapons 5, Shields 5. 
range six, shields five, weapons five. So with the ideal, all the keywords in your discard pile, uh, bump this up to 988, and it's, uh, I wasn't paying attention to how much it costs, but this, uh, I think this is a card to rival or um, help out the Vedic, the Vedic transport vessel or whatever that ship is from Dangerous Missions. So, yeah. Uh, will I throw this in my deck? Not unless I'm playing with a bunch of Kai's, Prylars, and Vedics. But, yeah. Uh, this might be an interesting card. So, we'll see. Alright, the final card of the review. It's been a long time coming. And this may be one of the most powerful cards in the set, if not... Well, it's one of the most, but it isn't the most, obviously. The Type 3 Galore. Kardashian Affiliation Ship. Cost 6. Type 3 Galore. 1 Command and 2 Staff Icons required for staffing. Galore Class. When you play this ship, you may discard the top 3 cards of your deck to make this ship cost dash 2. Specially modified warship designed to be built quickly at an increased cost of materials. Range 8 weapons, 8 shields, 8. Alright, so, if you are okay with discarding the top 3 cards of your, dis your deck, you just got a 4 cost ship that has 888. Sounds pretty good. Uh, this is the Excelsior for Cardassians. Yes, I said it. Uh, it's not as good as the Kelpo, obviously, at a cost of 3. Uh, but... This shows that there may be uh, some, some push in Phase 2 for us to start considering the Cardassians having very powerful ships at a reduced cost, so long as your discard pile is, is uh, inflated from your discard pile from it. So, this is a very interesting card, and yes, there are... Five cost Carnassian ships with range of eight, but there was no four cost ones, and this could be reduced even further, obviously, with Smiley and all that goodness. So, I'm thinking this is going to be seeing a lot of play in Cardassian decks. This will probably replace almost all the ships in Cardassian decks, except for the Galar or the Grimal deck, and I don't know how that all works. I haven't played one of those, but. Yeah, this is going to be one hot card. So, yep, uh, very cool, very exciting card. Um, yeah. So, with the end of the review here, what is there to talk about? Well, we've certainly seen, and I've said it before, a lot of cards that let you play something for less or nothing. Where does this leave us? It shows that Design is willing to be somewhat aggressive to accomplish the goals of shortening games and making powerful cards. These may be some of the most powerful cards we've seen in quite some time. Not, not since Necessary Evil have we seen, you know, I think some incredibly powerful cards. And the Roadblock especially, and the Bajoran Roadblock card, and Nils Barris. These cards are going to shape the game and encourage are going to encourage players to play the game differently. Uh, I, I've already heard one player say he's not going to play TT anymore just because of these new cards. 
and maybe that's a good thing for the game. Maybe it's time for you to have to pay a little extra if you want to play TT. Uh, this will encourage the more boring standard attrition, though. Uh, but I'm okay with that. I That's my go-to, and I love it. It's going to encourage players to not use uh, legacy piles, or it's going to encourage them to mix up... This was one thought from one of the designers. It's going to encourage them to mix up legacy with other things and that sort of thing. So, so Dilemma piles are definitely going to get affected, and... That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's definitely going to shake the game up and make players rethink how they're going to be playing their piles for uh, for a while at least. We are seeing we're seeing affiliations get reborn, and this was a goal for phase two from the beginning to have Bajorans be more Bajoran and Cardassians be more Cardassian, and a lot of a lot of affiliations got tools here. I'm trying to figure out where that Borg card fits in, the new Borg card. I asked a couple Borg players, they're really not sure where that card was going. So, other than that, Ferengi are getting cards that feel Ferengi. Relativity is getting a card that helps them do what they do better. And Cardassians are getting some fantastic help, obviously. Bajorans were... I am blown away by the amount of interesting cards Bajorans are getting. Bajorans are going to be the hot affiliation this year. I'm calling it now. Relativity is going to remain hot as well. Um, You know, relatively hot. No pun intended. Pun really intended. And Klingons, they've always been hot. That card, the the Reskit guy, he's going to be somewhat interesting are they gonna is that gonna encourage more battle is that just gonna encourage weird deck milling things uh ramens didn't see much but they got a mill card uh will ramen and mill become something interesting is Taraknor going to become better at capture because of the dominion and cardassian capture cards that came out in this and uh that has already seen some play and we've seen some response to that on the boards the Dilemmas in this set are very interesting. I'm not sure about the science ones, but the new um, Q, the one with Q on it, uh, rapid progress, uh, skill tracking is getting a huge new tool, and uh, very similar to counterinsurgency program, but or whatever that card is. But this card is really um, going to encourage. Um, more skill tracking. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a useful tool. You know, I think lots of players are very lax on skill tracking. And skill tracking, I think, is one of, you know, once you've figured out how to play the game right, I seriously do believe skill tracking is one of the most important skills that can make you a better player in this game. And that's not a bad thing. That means that if you can learn to keep an eye on what your opponent's doing, you can become better, even if you're playing some Dilemma Pile that doesn't require skill tracking, or even if it doesn't, it still does. Um, Because if you can follow where the honor and treachery are, you know better when to play an issue of trust, or when to play that GOM 2. Skill Dilemmas are very important in this game, and knowing how to use Skill Dilemmas better is good. Um, And just with a couple of cards, I think they're going... There's some encouragement of that. 
to kind of get back to the roots of second edition where skill tracking was king. And I believe that is the case. I don't know if that's true, but um, lots of dilemmas have come out that have made skill tracking a much... Uh, it's still good, but you don't have to skill track to play this game, which is good too. Uh, I don't, and I like being able to play and not having to worry about skill tracking. But at the same time, if you skill track, you're going to be way better off, at least earlier in your games. Uh, you, you could be able to keep your opponent at a mission indefinitely. That's always a possibility if you're a skill tracker. And if not, here's a bunch of cards. You know, <laughs> you know now, while I'm spewing all this out, there are cards that have come out, though, that encourage Dilemma Piles, of course, to not focus on one such thing. So if your Dilemma Pile is about skill tracking, you're also stuck with the notion that if your opponent calls infinite diversity, now you're going to have to use heightened, uh, not high perception, but the uh, dilemma we were just talking about. Rapid progress. And you're going to have to play with both of those. And one may not be as good as the other, or um, that sort of thing. So it's good to have a little variety. It's uh, good to encourage players to have to try some new things, uh, always. I think that's fine. Um, you can't push too much, and I think this was just enough push. I think we're going to see some players trying new things, adopting new things. There'll be a little hemming and hawing at first. Games are going to get shorter, I guarantee it, uh, and that may not be for the best. I Second edition is never... Okay, I've played... Out of all the second edition games I've played, several have gone to time. Um... I'd say, though, that half of those that went to time were resolved within one turn, though. Is that such a bad thing? No, I don't think so. And if if making the game faster means that people have to play with certain cards, like the Roadblock card, I'm not cool with that. I, I don't want cards that have to be played. I want cards that make sense to play in certain decks, but not in every deck. And unfortunately, I do believe the Roadblock card makes sense in all car all decks. If not all decks, then most decks. And that's unfortunate. Um, Cue the Ref has to be in every first edition deck for certain reasons. Um, and we're working on trying to fix that. But now, um, and I know Roadblock is an exception. There's no dilemma that came out that has to be in every deck, uh, as far as I know. Rapid Progress, maybe. You know, you might get lucky with uh, calling uh, something uh, somewhat obscure. But... Uh, it's not a card I'm going to throw into all of my decks. But, yeah, uh, there were definitely, you know, and, and definitely Bajorans now have a bunch of cards that they have to throw into their decks. At least two. Um, and I'm thinking of a session uh, probably has to get thrown in, and the event that plays to, uh, or discards to put to, uh, to put a guy back on your headquarters uh, if you just played another guy. Well, uh, it's rare, but I actually just got home, and, uh, in record time, actually. Uh, so I am going to wrap up this review and say, uh, you know, thank you so much for listening, and that if you do have questions, comments, or concerns about the review or anything else on the show, you can always give me a call at 267-CALL-CPJ, shoot me PM at CorbinQ27 on the message boards, or email me at CorbinJohnson at me.com. 
And until next time, when we discuss whatever we feel like, whenever we feel like, on whatever device we please, this is Corbin Johnson signing off, saying so long and thanks for all the trek. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. To find out more about that license, visit creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by dash nc dash sa slash 3.0. Our theme music is Space Ace by Mark Teicher. Other songs included are Inspiration and Mission Briefing by Mark Teicher. Our outro song is Teleporter by Dungeon Kimura. You can find out more about these artists at jamendo.com. J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. And each of those is released under the same or similar Creative Commons licenses as this podcast.